0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be probably in two parts. And what I'm going to look at in this talk is some of the work we end up with based on our Wednesday quiz conferences. These are some of the interesting cases I show the faculty, and I'd like to share them with you and make some teaching points. We recognize metastal widening on a chest x-ray is a very common finding. From chest X-ray, you go right to CT. The possibilities are too numerous to list, but you could think about processes that involve the aorta from aneurysms to dissections to simply an ectatic aorta. We could talk about hyaluradenopathy, be it inflammatory or malignant. We could talk about mediastinal masses, anterior, middle, or posterior mediastinum, and things ranging from lymphoma to seminoma to thymoma. We could talk about mediastinitis. We could talk about cardiac tamponade, or tumors that involve the heart, presenting as mediastinal widening, and of course, bony abnormalities, anywhere from fractured ribs, or a sternal injury in a patient post-trauma, to things that involve the vertebral bodies, think tumor like myeloma, or think osteomyelitis. This article by Camilla makes the point that chest x-ray is a very good starting point but really, beyond that, everything needs to go with CT. So, what I'm going to try to do is show you some of the common things we look at. If you think about the anterior metastinum in the article, um, they mentioned lymphadenopathy and goiters and thymic lesions and germ cell tumors as prevascular masses, precardiac masses, and then rare lesions. But we're going to stick away from a lot of the rare lesions. and and minis perhaps, and go with some really core information to really give you some of the real, really, really good classic lesions that we talk about, and then specifically why exactly we think of them when we do the process. Of course, the most classic thing is putting things in the right compartment, so middle mediastinum is more common for lymphadenopathy or pulmonary artery or maybe the arch or tracheal lesions perhaps, And posterior metastinum, we typically think about things related to the esophagus and the spine. And there are a number of different possibilities. And of course, this list was from the article, but this list can be expanded two or three times if you really wanted to cover everything. So let's do this case. Nice example of metastinal winding on chest X-ray. And you see these large paraspinal masses, very large. And when you look at them, you start thinking, well, could this be lymphoma? What else is going on in this patient? Well, one thing you notice is the ribs are expanded. The ribs are enlarged. What exactly is going on with these ribs and the spine? Well, look at the coarse trabeculae even on these axial images. And you can see these para-aortic masses are large, asymmetric, and we're tracking them down through the length of the chest. And then you also notice with some of these ribs, there is some soft tissue element. So what are we dealing with? Could it be lymphoma with large paraspinal masses? Could it be neurogenic tumors? Could it be adenopathy? But when you look carefully, how do I explain the bone, the coarse changes in the sternum, in the spine, the soft tissue components coming from what appear to be expanded ribs? Well, you know what you're dealing with here? You're dealing with a process that involves the marrow and process that involves extensive pariaortic areas, and you see it here nicely on the 3D, and so you start thinking, what could this be? Well, the answer of what this could be is extramedullary hematopoiesis. This is a beautiful example of extramedullary hematopoiesis, and what disease does this patient have? Thalassemia. You can see in cinematic rendering just a beautiful visualization of the density of these paraaortic or paraspinal masses, And again, lobular masses. This was not a vascular process, which was a good consideration. Lymphoma, metastasis, all things you would think about. But when you see the extent of this process and you see the bony changes, it's just the best example I think I've seen of beta thalassemia. Cinematic rendering really nicely shows you the coarse trabeculations in the ribs and in the sternum. Here it is again in the ribs on the sagittal view and beta thalassemia with extramedullary hematopoiesis. What a great case. Extramedullary hematopoiesis can occur around the thoracic spine, the lumbar spine, and sacrum. It's always a great case to quiz people on because people often don't think about it. It's rare, but not uncommon, which kind of maybe doesn't make sense, but the point is we do see cases of it all the time. In this article by Tonica. The radiologic features of beta-thalassemia are due in part to marrow hyperplasia. Markedly expanded marrow space leads to various skeletal manifestations in the spine, skull, facial bones, and ribs, just like in this case. Extramedular hematopoiesis, hemosiderosis, and colathiasis are among the non-skeletal manifestations of thalassemia. Extramedular hematopoiesis represents the body's attempt to maintain erythrogenesis, when there is important alteration in blood population, thalassemia, posterior metastinal paravertebral masses are seen, or presacral masses resulting from extra osseous extension of medullary tumor. Just a really nice example. And again, extra medullary hematopoiesis can occur almost anywhere. I showed a quiz case a few weeks ago in the adrenal gland, I've showed it in the liver, and I've showed it in the spleen. When we talk about extramedular hematopoiesis in this article by Gosen, it can be classified as paraosseous or extraosseous and is more common in NTTDT than in regular transfused TDT. Paraosseous, extramedular hematopoiesis, most commonly occurs in the thoracic region followed by the lumbar region. And this case was just a spectacular example of all the findings you can see in extramedular hematopoiesis. And just to go a little bit further, here are the causes, sickle cell polycythemia vera, myelodysplastic syndrome, which is something we see often in oncology patients, the fact we see the extra-mejor hematopoiesis, Paget's disease, osteopetrosis, Gaucher's, are just some of the possibilities on this list. In this article by Vlachow, the commonest sites of extra hematopoiesis in the abdomen, are liver, spleen, and lymph nodes, all sites of in utero hemopoietic activity. So again, if you were looking at the abdomen, big liver, big spleen, abdominal pain, and you can see splenic infarcts. And again, imaging, be it CT, MR, and nuclear studies, or ultrasound, can often be the initial findings uh, that lead you to the right diagnosis. Now, I will admit one of the challenges, of course, is many of the patients know they have thalassemia, though many of them do not. And here's just a couple more examples. Here you can see very nicely the extramedullary hematopoiesis in the periodic region along the, uh, the ribs, and you can see it here as well, expansion in that region. Again, the same case, a few more images of that. And here's a case I saw recently where at first glance you see this paraspinal mass on the right, and then you see a paraspinal mass on the left, and you're thinking, is this adenopathy? The liver's increased density, there's no IV contrast here. What exactly is going on? But then when you see the coronals, you see the multiple paraspinal masses. Again, you could think about lymphoma, but this is gonna be a wonderful case of extramedullary hematopoiesis, and when you put it on bone windows, you can see the coarse trabeculation in the bone, and that really gives you a perfect diagnosis. And here again is a sagittal view, equally impressive to the first case I showed you. However, the extramedullary hematopoiesis is not as extensive. And perhaps then, when it's not as extensive, may the cases where you're confused. Now, when I mentioned metastinal whining, one of the things we spoke about was anterior metastinal masses. The first case I showed you was a wonderful example of posterior metastinum. Well, what do you think about anterior mediastinum? And that goes back to your residency days, right? Three T's and an L. Thyroid, thymus, teratoma, lymphoma. So here's a large mass, cystic, with calcification and enhancing. If you scanned up to the neck, you would see the origin of the mass. A classic example of a large substernal thyroid. Here it is very nicely shown in the sagittal view. Another example. Here's a thymoma. Thymoma, anterior mediastinum. They do get implants in the pleural surface, sort of drop mets. It's often eccentric. Thymomas can be solid or cystic. Here's one in the anterior mediastinum, about three centimeters, kind of low attenuation, but not exactly cystic. Here's a couple more views of that. And here's another case, eccentric anterior mediastinal mass. Yes, you could think about lymphoma. The lymphoma usually isn't so cystic. Teratomas usually have calcification or fat, though teratoma is a reasonable thought. This was a cystic thymoma. You can see the size of the thymoma, how it grows down along and near the pericardium. You can see it very nicely on the 3D volume rendered views, and you can see the cystic nature in this example on the volume rendered imaging with cinematic rendering. So again, beautiful example on the AP, or on the sagittal cinematic rendered views. Cinematic rendering nicely shows you texture of lesions. So the redness is really things that have high fluid or high cystic content. Now here's a nice example of another thymic lesion. You can see that this is triangular shaped. Now if this was in a 15 year old, you would say normal thymus, but this is a 40ish year old. That means it's thymic hyperplasia. You can get a lot of reasons for thymic hyperplasia, stress-related, thyroid disease, perhaps. But this patient had a brain mass, had acromegaly, and had pituitary lesion, which gave the patient a thymic hyperplasia. Beautifully shown on the views. On cinematic, here is the thymus sitting right here. And I just love this view, which really shows you the trabeculation of the thymus gland, The enfolding of the lung, beautiful positioning in the anterior metastinum, showed very nicely also on the sagittal views. Now other thymic lesions, this could easily be a thymoma, but sometimes you'll see thymic cysts, often very large, often in younger patients. I will admit in an older patient like this, it's hard to distinguish a thymic cyst from a cystic thymoma. And biopsy is gonna be the typical way of making the diagnosis. Now, amongst those T's, anterior metastinal mass, cystic lesion, fat, and calcification. This is the most classic teratoma you're gonna see. Teratoma is often uh, detected in younger patients, but we can see them in older patients. They can be small, or particularly in pediatric patients, very large and presenting with mass effect and even shortness of breath. But just a beautiful example. I think once you see fat, you put this lesion in the pelvis, it's a teratoma, an ovarian dermoid. Um, And here it is, you can see, tracking down along the pericardium. Here it is very nicely when you look at it in 3D with volume rendering. But again, coarse calcifications, fat, solid mass is a teratoma. Just a very, very nice visualization of that lesion. Other lesions, this is more in the middle mediastinum, pushing toward the anterior mediastinum, but very coarse calcifications. This was also a teratoma. I think lesions with coarse calcifications, you gotta really be thinking of teratoma. Lymphoma, post-therapy can have calcifications. Infectious etiologies can have calcifications, but I think at the end of the day in the mediastinum, large soft tissue masses, with fat obviously it's easier, but not every teratoma has significant fat. This has very subtle fat, but the calcifications are indeed very, very impressive. And this is just a really nice example of a teratoma. And here's just a few more views of that. And I really did like this case, obviously. Now, I said three Ts in an L, and here's the L. Large mass in the anterior metastinum. There also looks like some pleural disease. It's pushing the heart posteriorly. It's extending to the hilum. This is the classic example of bulky lymphoma, anterior metastinum, often extending onto and may be involving the patient's pericardium. Patients like this may only have disease in the chest or may have disease in the abdomen. You may see internal mammary nodes, which can also be helpful. Now you can say if you looked only at the image on the left, could this be a thymoma? I guess theoretically the answer you would consider but the bulk of this lesion, the extent and the appearance, the soft tissue density is really terrific for lymphoma. Now I mentioned with lymphoma, and here's another case where the anterior mediastinum looks very similar, though in this case, you see the patient's pectoralis major muscle on the right side. It means that there's extension of tumor through the chest wall into and involving the pectoralis major muscle. You can see the compression of the heart And then when you track into the abdomen, you can see infiltration of the patient's right kidney. There's also involvement of the stomach. There's also adenopathy. So no surprise, one of the easiest ways of being certain you have lymphoma, though usually we don't have much problem, is making sure you look at the rest of the abdomen. And this was an example of lymphoma involving the kidney, a patient with acute lymphoblastic lymphoma, and leukemia. Just a really nice example. Now, I threw this case in. This is kind of mediastinum, and that's how it presented. But what you're looking at is a large lesion, which is involving one of the upper right ribs. It's expanding it. You could think about myeloma. You could think about a sarcoma. But you also need to think about fibrous dysplasia. Fibrous dysplasia expands the ribs. But this is one of the most impressive cases of fibrous dysplasia, presenting as mediastinum versus apical mass just a beautiful example of the expansion of bone and how it can be confused here's just a beautiful again think about a pancos tumor think about an eccentric anterior menostinal mass though maybe that's stretching it a bit but this is a beautiful example and on the volume rendered views look how nicely we see those trabeculations really very impressive vibe you know an example of fibrous dysplasia here it is very nicely shown on the cinematic rendering. Just a really nice example. And here it is from below. Mass Effect, again, if you don't think about fibrous dysplasia, usually we see a small rib lesion, mild expansion, or some changes in the pelvis. But this is kind of a really impressive example of fibrous dysplasia. Now the next thing I want to talk about is some of the processes in the posterior metastinum that cause metastinal widening. But let's stop right here Let's take a break, and let's come back in, let's say, five minutes. Let's get some coffee, and I'll see you then. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.